cliffcentral.com. We're going to cry, laugh, and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. So welcome to another episode of Life with Lebang. Wherever you are in the world, I think you've made the right choice by hanging out with us. We do this every single week, courtesy of cliffcentral.com. And this week is no different. As always, I bring you quality. I bring you some of the best, the most educated, the most experienced, the most passionate about different topics, all relating to family and kids and everything to do with being a young adult who is also trying to balance a career and have a whole family. And today is literally no different. If anything, it's a little bit more exciting because... This is something we talk about every day. We talk about money all the time. We talk about how important money is all the time. We can't live without it. Um, sometimes if we get paid at the end of the month, it's like, yay, there's the money. And then like within a few days, it's all gone. And then we spend the rest of the month just like sitting there not knowing what to do. So it's always nice to have the right people around to better guide us and inform us and to show us the light. And imagine if you were getting this information when you were a child. I think, and you probably know that things would have been a lot different. You would have long had experience and ways to practice money management and financial management. But the nice thing is that out there in the world, there are people who are passionate about this enough to make this their purpose and their life's work. One of those people is with me in studio today. Her name is Jean Archery. She is all about having money conversations with children in a positive manner. She believes that with proper knowledge, tools, and skills, many financial mistakes can be avoided. She's also the author of a collection of stories that teaches kids four essential money messages based on earning, saving, spending, and giving money. And apparently, each story is concluded with a list of questions that parents and teachers can use to assess the understanding of the concept concepts explain now i've got these books right in front of me she just handed them to me now as a gift that i now have the task of reading to my kids every night before they go to bed so that they can wake up in the morning and just have better a better understanding on money management so firstly jean welcome to life with Lebang. thank you for having me thank you for choosing to hang out with us and be with us so i i just want to get straight into it because this is such an important conversation and like i just said now if we had known this growing up then we would make better decisions around money as adults now imagine if you can start from when you're a child so jean where did when did you wake up and realize that this is what i'm passionate about this is what i need to do how did you figure out that this was your calling I think it's always been a part of me, but I don't think I realized it until I did my very first talk to staff at a large bank that I worked at. And when I walked out of that room or auditorium, I felt such a a, a release of energy. I felt like I was on a high. And that's when I knew that this was what I was born to do. Yeah. And how did you know that this is something that you wanted to do particularly for young children. I mean, it's it's an it's sort of like an unspoken about space, you know, not many people talk about it because I guess the thinking is that while well, the kids will just learn from their parents. I mean, what if the parents are also just winging it? They themselves aren't fully equipped for this task. So, how did you know that it, this was specifically something you needed to do for kids with kids so that tomorrow we have a range of adults who have been spending wisely and have had practice? 
And this is the interesting part because I think, you know, daily life experiences trigger off certain lessons in us and certain ideas. And so I obviously, you know, worked in financial planning for quite a few years. I did a number of financial education talks to adults, even though I wasn't practicing it specifically in my role. But it was actually an interesting conversation that I had with my own daughter. And I think, you know, when you become a parent, your children are your best teachers. Sure, There's nothing that you can learn out of a book uh, more so about parenting than from your own children. Oh, and I, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and they teach you things about yourself that you otherwise wouldn't have known. Mm. Um, I actually fetched my daughter from school and it was summer. It was a very hot day. And mm. I said to her, would you like an ice cream? And she said, yes, mom, I want a, an ice cream from McDonald's. Mm. But McDonald's was in the opposite direction of, of home. And I said to her, look, I'm not going to go down that road. Let's just stop at the garage and get an ice cream. Sure. And so we stopped at the garage, ended up buying three ice creams, got mm. home and I realized, oh, these ex- these ice creams were a little bit on the pricey side. Mm. And I made the mistake of actually, well, maybe at that time it wasn't a mistake. And I said to her, oh, these ice creams were expensive. And she asked me, what do you mean expensive? What is, what is that? She was mm. about six years old at the time. Mm. And I actually struggled to explain it to her in an age-appropriate way. Mm. Um, you know, and obviously we take for granted that adults know what the term means. But to a six-year-old hearing it for the very first time, and, you know, I struggled to explain it to her. And so I thought, you know, I work in financial services. I'm a certified financial planner, a professional. Sure. Um, and I teach people about managing money. So, you know, if I'm struggling to explain the concept in a way that you would understand, how are other parents having these conversations? Mm. And so with everything, any issue that I have with her, I, the first thing I do is I go and I look at, uh, for a storybook that explains it in sure. an easier way, outsourcing, right? We've yeah. got to outsource this parents. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I went to the bookstore and I couldn't find any books at the time. Mm. This was, sure, 11, almost, almost 11 years ago. Mm. Um, and there were no books that spoke to kids about money. And I thought, well, you know, um, how there's a gap in the market. And sure. Mm. How, you know, in, how do I help other parents to have this conversation? And so that's mm. how Mrs. Spiggles and her money tales actually came to life. Well, thank you to your daughter for wanting ice cream that day <laughs> yeah. because look where we are 11 years later and you've made this like your life's work. So, Jean, you said that your daughter was around six when you explained the concept of expensive. So, what do you think is the appropriate age to start having the money talks with our kids? So research shows that as soon as a child can start to count, um, that is the best time to start having these conversations. And I mean, I think kids start talking mm. around the age of three years old. And, mm, and obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's basic concepts that you start introducing. So that you give them money, you show them the different types of coins, uh, explain to them what each coin can buy. And obviously in today's terms, you know, not much. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but that's how you start the conversation. Cause obviously our kids see us, right? They see sure. us, mom and dad go to the, to the ATM and we use our cards to access money. And there's this vault of endless supply of cash yes. on the other side. Yes. <laughs> Cause it's not as though the kids see us working and earning the money. They just see us collecting it from the ATM. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. That's all it looks like to us. And remember, we're living in a digital world, mm. world where everything is electronic. So mm. they don't get to see mom and dad bringing home those wages. Mm. Um, they don't see that the money, somebody's putting money into the bank account. So there's not an endless supply of cash in sure. our credit cards or exactly. debit cards. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember growing up and my dad always saying to me, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. And I say, well, it just comes out of the ATM, doesn't it? <laughs> and it took so long for him to actually sit me down and say, 
this is what money is. This is how, how you get it. This is how you spend it and all that jazz. And I'm quite glad that he eventually had that chat with yeah. me because I mean, without that conversation, I kind of would have had to learn things later by myself. So Jean, let's talk a little bit about the different types of spending. I don't know if it's spending habits. You can clarify. So there's abundant, neutral, scarcity or avoidance. Now, what are all of those and how can a parent identify which one their child has? Mm. And I think, you know, it's a kind type, type of conversations that you're going to have with your child that will actually trigger off uh, certain ideas because every child mm. is different, right? Sure, every sure. child has their own personality. Yeah. Even though they grew up in the same household, you yeah. kind of question like, why is this one a saver and why is this one a spender? Yeah. You know, how does, how do they even, like, how do you even grasp that? Mm. Um, so, so obviously there's a lot of par- parental influence in terms of how we turn out as children, but it's not only parental influence. It's mm. obviously their personalities, mm. uh, their beliefs, their, their characteristics, their exposure to the outside world. Mm. You know, each kid has different friends. Each kid has a different teacher. Um, so the, depending on the external influences that uh, they are influenced by, that can all play a role in terms of whether they become savers and spenders, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting. I mean, there's certain questions that you can ask to figure out whether you, the type of mindset that your child has. And one of the questions that I actually use in my program is you ask a child. Um, and again, obviously, depending on what age they are at and with their, their understanding and, you know, obviously each child develops mm. and matures at a different stage. Mm. So, in a, and I find like a, like an interesting question that parents could ask is if you were to have a hundred rand, what would you do with that hundred rand? Mm. And, and monitor the responses. And then you increase the amount and say, okay, so if you had a thousand rand, what would you do with a thousand rand? Mm. And then what would you do if you had 10,000 rand? Just to see, you know, what is, how, how, what was, what is the, what is the reasoning that they give behind each thing? Sure. So obviously if your child is a saver and they have a saver mentality, They'll want to save the, the bulk of it, irrespective yeah. of how much they earn. If they're a spender, they're going to want to spend as much. And obviously you want a neutral, you want a well-balanced child, someone mm. who says, I'll save a portion and I'll spend a portion. Mm. Because also just saving, saving, saving is not the best way to, to, to have that balance. Because yeah. obviously, you know, it's, it's in terms of giving back to the community, to the economy, there's a cycle obviously that needs to be fulfilled. Mm. People earn money. They have to spend it in order mm. for other people to be able to generate an income and mm. receive an income. And mm. so there, there has to be that economic cycle of, sure. of, of, uh, spending and saving money. Sure. So would you say the most ideal one would be like just a neutral one? Yeah, I think it's it's having a balance. Sure. Um, but again, I think also it depends on yeah. Well, ideally, in an ideal world, it would mm. be having that balance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you say these habits are inherited or observed? So, are my children more likely going to be spenders if I'm a big spender, or not? Yeah, that's interesting because there's a little bit of both because okay. I mean, if you look at some of some, some children, I mean, like, you know, some, some parents might be savers, but then mm. their children become spenders. Mm. So I think again, it goes back to you're not only influenced by your parents, but you're also influenced by external factors or sure. ex- factors outside of the, of the home. So mm. watching your grandparents, watching your friends, watching your teachers, you know, any other influential role models in your, in your environment. Mm. So I mean, some children might be playing Soccer, whereas some children are more introverted and maybe they're doing um, piano. 
Um, And so obviously their circle of influence is going to be very different. So Mm. the ones that play soccer might want the latest gadgets and Mm. the latest soccer boots. Mm. But the ones who play piano may be, you know, a little bit, and I'm obviously stereotyping here, but they might be exposed to a different type of uh, social circle. So, you know, so it, it, it again depends on, 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 on those influences. Yeah. So it's, it's just all about what the kids are surrounded by their environments the people stuff they see blah 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 like as you said you know if you ask a child what they do with 100 rand like my first thought was i already know my child will just want to buy a new playstation game or (laughs) some credits on roblox or something like that it it, sadly i could honestly say he wouldn't be like hmm maybe i should take 50 rand and put it away and the other 50 rand he'll want to spend it all Mm. And he'll just want to live his best life. So yeah. I've got some work to do. But, but again, and, and that's exactly it. And I think that's, that's a very good point that you mentioned here because as parents, we cannot sit back and just outsource this responsibility. And I think mm. I ran a, su- a survey a couple of years ago asking parents who did they think was, res- were responsible for educating children around money. And I gave them the options and I said, parents, um, schools, the government or a mix of all. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of parents selected, uh, school. And so, you know, as, as parents, obviously we are reliant on the school system mm. to educate our children to a certain degree. Yeah. But financial education is not something that is taught in schools. Mm. There might be certain aspects of it that is taught, but our children are not going to learn everything that they need to learn about money through the school system. 100%. So we cannot sit back and just mm. outsource that. We've got to take responsibility. Mm. And here's the thing. Because children model our behavior, we cannot just say to them, do as I say. Mm. They're going to do as you do. <laughs> exactly. Mm. So we need to be able to be practicing certain financial habits. Sure. We need to make sure that our own financial houses are in order mm. if we want to go and tell our children this is how it needs to be done. I feel like every week I have like an epiphany on the show because I always come to the same realization that these kids are honestly just going to copy what we do. It doesn't matter what we say. Mm-hmm. If we're saying one thing, but doing another, they're going to do what we are doing. So our behavior gives them permission mm-hmm. to do the same. That's exactly what it is. Mm. So if I have a bad habit, my child is looking at me and saying, well, if my mom can do it, why can't I do it? Exactly. Exactly. Shoo, it's tough, this thing. <laughs> oh, it is tough. So, Jean, kids between the ages of seven and eight begin to understand the different needs, the difference between like a need and a want. So what's the best way of explaining these two concepts to our kids? Yeah. And there was some, some of those questions I actually include in my book. Okay. Like, you know, having the conversations. So it's, it's reading the story and mm. making sure that your children actually grow the concepts that's in the actual story. Mm. So, and, and again, how do you assess that is by, is through conversation is by having the conversation with your children and, and, and asking the questions in an empowering manner. Sure. So, and I mean, just simply asking them, what do you think is a need and a want? Mm. Um, and that will spark off the idea or you'll find, you'll figure out what, what it is that, that, that they, how they actually describe it or define it. Mm. And I mean, so for me, when I, when I explain what a need is, is a need is something that we cannot live without. And if you ask your children that they might say Wi-Fi, internet, or things that they cannot live without. <laughs> yep. And in this digital age that we're living in, we've become so reliant on things like that. Mm. So, you know, what was a need for us in our generation might not necessarily still be, or what might, what was a want in our generation might ne- not necessarily relate to as a want for our children. Sure. So we've got to look at how it's actually, how the world has evolved, um, the things that they are used to. Because I mean, mm. obviously, if you are, if you're being homeschooled, 
yeah. then having access to the internet is a need exactly. in that in, in, in that in, in that situation. Yeah, that, that does make sense. So I was thinking just a little bit about what you said now now that you know it's the parents' responsibility to teach the kids about money, not just the schools. But shouldn't the schools be teaching our kids financial management? I mean, it's not their responsibility, but it would be nice to have the support of the school. Absolutely. Even at that younger age, like in the primary years where it's like, okay, cool, you know, we're doing like a cake and candy sale type thing. And then after that, they accompany that with some sort of like financial management. Like shouldn't the school, the schools be teaching the kids? I, I, I. It should be a part of the school curriculum mm. from the time our children are able to start counting. 100%. And obviously as they advance, then more advanced concepts need to, to be taught. Yeah. And I'm not saying it isn't. There is some aspect of it, but I don't think it is given adequate attention mm. um, on the level that it should be. 100%. It's considering that like kids are probably going to be using money like once a week, almost every day. Robert Kiyosaki says we send our children to school to learn how to earn an income, mm. but no one is teaching them how to manage that income. Mm. And that is the, the biggest fault, the biggest uh, error of our... <laughs> it is. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't know how to manage our money. I had a conversation with someone earlier today, a, a, a client that I'm busy coaching, and, you know, she earns a decent salary, but, you know, her she doesn't know how to manage it. And mm. I said to her, you know, this is not your fault. Because we were not taught how to manage money as part of our school system. Mm. Also, our parents were not equipped. So our generation of parents didn't have access to the internet. Mm. They taught us what they knew. They taught us with whatever resources they had available to, to them at sure. that time. So, you know, and, and so it's not their fault either, but today's parents have access to a wealth of resources available at our fingertips True. for free. True. So we have no excuses. We cannot say to ourselves, oh, we didn't have the skills and the resources or the knowledge or tools. There is ample tools available out there. And also there's just no excuse as far as being a parent and as far as participating intentionally in what your kids are learning. If money is going to be used every single day, what, what better way like to help our kids by teaching them, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be with them every step of the way. And then we get surprised when they grow up and they don't know how to manage their funds. It's like, did you teach them? Mm-hmm. Did you help them? Yeah. What tools did you use? And exactly in this, in this day and age, we don't have any excuses. Yeah. Maybe our parents did yeah. or our grandparents, you know, the parents before them. But like us, I think we have a big responsibility to do right by our kids yeah. and, you know, just try and unlearn a lot of things that um, we were raised with. But this is a thing because we also as parents are passing on our own negative and self-limiting beliefs <laughs> onto our children unintentionally, mm, unknowingly, mm. which is one of the reasons why I created a, pro, a, a cause specifically for parents to be able to have meaningful conversations. Like you mentioned earlier what your dad told you, money, yeah. does, my, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. And that was something we all heard our parents say. Yeah. And it's actually not the right conversations or the right language to be using to our children. I even mm. mentioned this earlier when I said, um, you know, when I bought the ice creams and I said to my daughter, oh, these ice creams are very expensive. Mm. It was the wrong language to be using to our children. And sometimes I also have to catch myself sure. because this is habits that we've learned mm. for 
40, 50 years of our lives mm. and now you to unlearn it requires conscious effort. Exactly. Exactly. And how many of us are ready to have that conversation? It's hard work. It and is. And that is why we don't want to put in the effort. Exactly. Sadly so. Jean, let's talk about pocket money mm-hmm. and allowance. Now, one would almost say, you know, giving your kids some or other allowance is what's going to help them to learn about money. But what exactly are we doing there as parents when we're giving our kids money? What is the best way to do that um, and essentially be able to teach them the best practices of managing their money? And I thought, another question that I always get around pocket money is how much is enough? How much is how, enough? How much is enough? How much is too much? <laughs> if my child wants a bicycle and I say no, does that make me a bad parent? Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. Also saying no is important because mm. you're teaching your children mm. that to value money, you're also teaching them delayed gratification. Yes. So even if you are in a position where you can give them everything that they want, mm. you shouldn't be overcompensating firstly as a mm. parent, but also you need to be teaching them that they can't just have everything that they that they earn or yes, that they want. That they want. Yeah. It just it just doesn't work like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to pocket money, and I think you know, again, look at the ch- the the age of the child, sure, and look at what is that pocket money supposed to be paying for. Mm. So if you, for example, have said to your child, this pocket money needs to pay for your data, it needs to pay for your toiletries, it needs to be for your clothes, then you obviously need to come up with a certain amount that's going to work for both you and the child yeah. based on your affordability, based on the child's needs, uh, based on the pricing of things, based on the mm. standard that they used to. Mm. Um, all of these things need to be taken into consideration when you decide on on an appropriate amount. Yeah, yeah. So easy to say <laughs> when mm. it comes to doing it. Hey, yeah. It gets a little bit <laughs> tricky. I mean, I know a lot of parents do the thing of, you know, uh, almost linking the amount with the amount of chores that a child does in the household. Yeah. So if you've got like a seven year old, let them do like wipe the dishes uh, every night and they can earn like five rand for yeah. each night that they participate. Would you say that is almost the right way to do it? Uh, or are there better ways that parents can be, um, you know, responsible in giving out this allowance? Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and we, we had a structure like that during COVID because I was alone as, as a single mom and I, mm. you know, had to manage home and school and work and it was just too much for me because I, mm. my helper wasn't with me and I, you know I was struggling to manage things and I said to myself nope we, so we created a chart mm. we put it up I think it's actually somewhere on my Facebook status somewhere yeah. um, where we had a chart and we had a chore and we had an amount mm. and so that was almost some sort of incentive for her to get involved in household chores yeah. and it also again teaches them the value of money because you know when, when something is given to you freely ah. you don't really appreciate it but yeah. when you have to work for it Mm. You, 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 there's your level of appreciation actually increases. 100%. So definitely attaching uh, a chore to a money uh, allows them to earn that income and then to value it. And, yeah. But also incentives. So I also give my daughter incentives. Um, I know a, a parent that I dealt with said that they offered their child for every book they read. They gave them an incentive. Oh, um, that's clever. Yeah. So I, with me, I, for every A you get. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So yeah. So different incentives work. And again, you got to look at your household needs, your mm. circumstances, your priorities, mm. your child's personality. Another thing that also works well is love languages. I Ooh. love children's love, well, love languages in general, but yeah. <laughs> because you know, I think understanding your child's money personality is is part of it, mm-hmm. but also understanding what their love language is and trying mm-hmm. to figure out a, an approach that's going to work 
well for that specific child. Yeah. So as an example, if you have someone who's a saver, uh, and your child's love language is gifts, mm. then you've got to find creative, uh, ways to reward them when they, when they, when they behave well, as sure. an example. Sure. So maybe giving them money or unit trust, uh, mm. as a gift is, is something that will speak their love language. Sure. If your child's, um, love language is quality time, then maybe, and, and they're a saver, then maybe spending time with them, uh, and showing them how to invest in shares. Mm. That is one mm. way of, 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 uh, basically speaking to them in their love language and acknowledging their personality as a saver. That is so clever. I'm literally like writing down notes because this <laughs> is stuff I need to go home and practice. Jean, let's talk a bit about spending versus saving. So kids obviously can be encouraged to save money for specific goals if maybe their parents are guiding them and helping them. How would you say parents can teach their kids, uh, you know, how to determine a specific goal? And also, do parents have the need to adjust their kids' allowances to help them to meet this goal? Or is this all up to the child? So now I think, again, depending on the child's age, but, uh, mm. you know, parents are there to guide and obviously educate their children when it comes to certain things. I always talk about this mm. goal setting. Mm. So my mom was a single mom. Mm. We went from abundance to scarcity when I was very young. Mm. And one of the other reasons why financial education and financial wellness is, I'm so passionate about it is because of my own personal childhood experience, sure. which caused a lot of challenges in my own relationship with money. And so, you know, a lot of the things that I do today is all linked somehow to my childhood experience mm. and to obviously what I studied and wanting to move help people uh, be empowered around making smarter money decisions. And so one of the things that I talk about is the importance of goal setting. Now, my mom is a single mom and obviously with the limited resources they had available at that time, didn't really, was, wasn't in a position to sit down with us and say, this is how you set goals. Um, yes, we spoke about goal setting, but not on the level that of the conversations that's happening in my household today. Mm-mm. My daughter is 15. Yeah. She knows that every single year she has to have a vision board. Wow. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Reluctantly, she does it. Mm. Um, but we're getting her to work on her why she has to do it because the comment she made, uh, I think it was earlier this year or last year is like, cause I asked, kept asking her, did you do your vision board? Did you do your vision board? Cause it was something initially we started doing together. Mm. And now as she becomes a teenager, she wants a little bit more independence and sure. so she's like she'll do it on her own mm. and when I asked to see it there was no vision board and then eventually the comment was well if I live in this house then I have to make sure I have a vision board that's one of the rules mm. um, and I said absolutely yes that <laughs> is a non-negotiable yeah. and you might not appreciate it now but when I promise you when you're older she'll thank you you'll thank me she will say absolutely. thank you mom for all of that <laughs> energy because now look <laughs> and so I only fully embarked on the on the real value of, of goal setting very mm. late in my in my adulthood. Mm. Um, and I live by it, I thrive by it, and it just keeps me going from and I mentioned this to you earlier, I've got mm. a big huge couple of goals for next year. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I didn't have that, I would have no direction. And this is mm. another reason why peer people, a lot of people today mm. live paycheck to paycheck because they don't have a goal. They don't mm. have, they haven't identified what their vision is for the future. Yeah. So they have nothing to work towards. Mm. So again, getting our own money houses in order is, is very important. Um, having a goal that's written down is key. And uh, you know, when it comes to, again, I created a program specifically for teenagers to help them with this because yeah. the story was created when my daughter was six. 
Um, and I wanted, I needed to build on it, obviously. As she grew, I needed to start teaching her more advanced concepts. And mm. so it, it's still the same for main money messages, but yeah. it's kind of like when, in, when now when we talk about earning money, we talk about, okay, what is the vision you have for your future? What do you want to be when you're older? Mm. Um, and you know, we work around creating the vision board aligned to those goals, yeah. but there's also a money goal in there. So what do you want to be saving for? Mm. Um, so identifying and it's, 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 it's it's basic conversations that we must be having with our children or powerful conversations that we should be having with our children. But what's important to you? What do you want to say for? Yeah. Or even when they come to you and they ask you, mom, I want this Lego mm. set. Mm. Um, and if you're not in a position where you can give them that Lego set, again, the question that you or the, the answer that you need to be having is not, no, I can't afford this or no, you can't have it. It's how. Sure. So it's the empowering questions that you need to start asking is, if you, if we can't, this isn't in our budget right now, mm. but if you, if this is something that you really want, how are you gonna, how, how can we go about helping you to get this? Sure, sure. So already the house starts getting them to think about, okay, mom didn't say no. She's now giving it the ball, putting the ball in my court and saying, mm. okay, I need to go back and think and self reflect and think about. How am I going to save for this? Or how am I going to earn the money to be able to get this? Exactly. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, Jean, there is obviously a gap between spending and saving. And this is obviously when you're doing your budget. And it's called the big D word, <laughs> discipline. <laughs> what is the best way to teach a child to remain disciplined? Because yo, many, many, many people struggle with discipline. Not just children, adults, oh, yeah. teenagers. Yeah. And if we don't learn it when you're young, it's almost like it's harder to learn when you're older. So what is the best way that I can teach my child to remain disciplined when it comes to money? Creating the habit from a young age actually helps with that because we know as adults, and I always use this example about tying shoelace, but we know as adults that when we are taught certain thing, we have a certain habit. It's because it, it's become automatic. We don't have to think about it. Sure. And so changing that habit or unlearning that habit requires effort. And so that's when it becomes work because now we have to consciously be reversing the, the, the lessons that we learned or the behavior that we learned. We've got to constantly be working at it mm. until it becomes uh, ingrained in us and sure. until it becomes a new habit. Mm. And so if we start with our children and that's why saving for us, that's why South, as South Africans, we don't have a savings culture because mm. nobody taught us pay yourself first. Ish. So, <laughs> so, so it, it's hard now because mm. we're not doing that. Mm. And so it requires effort. So if we start teaching our children from a very young age, and it's not only the money that they that they that they earn, yeah. but also the money that they receive. So every single time you receive money or you earn money, put a portion of it away. Yeah. And get your children to commit ten percent. So when I talk about the, the 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 shoelaces, when you start teaching your child when they start putting their shoes on and you start teaching them how to tie their shoelaces, yeah. in the beginning you have to we put putting a little bit of effort into showing them how, but eventually when you put your shoelaces on, uh, when you put your shoes on now, you don't think about it. Sure. It's automatic. Exactly. And so if we start creating healthy financial habits from a young age, and obviously as parents, mm. it does, it is going to require some effort. Yeah. But when they're older, it will be automatic. Yeah. So the discipline will be up ingrained in them. Yeah. And that's literally what we want. We're trying to get as many kids to be disciplined as possible now before it's late. Will the discipline help them practice a sense of social responsibility by giving and the value behind it? Like, you know, now that they've learned how to save money, what are, what are the, the real things that our kids are going to walk away with 
if we teach them discipline around money from a young age. And you know, those in, in the book, we, we talk about earning money, saving money, spending, and also giving. Mm. Um, and you know, things like practicing gratitude, being grateful for the things that we have yes. uh, is something that a lot of us as adults don't do because, and again, that goes back to the initial question you asked me around, um, having an abundance, um, mentality. Mm. Mm. So when you grew up in scarcity, you always focus on the lack. But, and, and, and it's hard. It's difficult. It is, it's not meant to be easy. Otherwise everybody would be doing it, but it mm. can be done. And I think I am living proof that it can be done. Mm. And it, but it requires effort and it requires work and discipline. And, but, but, you know, if you, if you're willing to put in the work, it, you'll definitely see the shifts. But again, teaching your children to practice gratitude on a daily basis. You're having a gratitude jar. Mm. Um, mm. you know, even if it's little, little post-it notes that everybody gets to write once a week or once a day to say, these are the things I'm grateful for. Just makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. Uh, Jean, what, what happens when now there's like multiple influences? So, so I know that my mom, who is like granny of the century, she loves to do this thing of spoiling every single one of my kids. And out of all five of them, they all just like completely throw out the window what I've been teaching them. So what we do in our household, which is, okay, if you've got this money, put it away for this, 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 this. As soon as the grandparents enter the chat, ah, they forget all about that. Mm. And it's almost like now they just expect to get some money because they've seen the grandparents because as classic grandparents go, they just want to spoil their grandkids. Mm. So how do, you know, how do I find that balance between, you know, Kids, you will be influenced by people other than mommy and daddy, and that's okay. However, the core learning has to be what we teach you. Yeah. And also, how do I not get into trouble with my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and boundaries are important, right? Oh, and yes. I mean, I think as grandparents, they, uh, they don't understand what boundaries mean. But At look, all. my daughter's being raised between two households. Mm. So, you know, the dad's a spoiler. Mm. So, and she knows, she knows. When she goes shopping with mom, there's a budget. Mm. When she goes shopping with dad, there's the card. Yeah. You know, you've okay. got, you've got leeway and she's the only child. So obviously, mm. you know, mm. and so in the, in the beginning, and it was really, really difficult because you can't parent from both households, especially as a mom and especially mm. with me being the control controlling person that I am. <laughs> it, it was, it was extremely difficult having to, yeah. So at some point I realized I cannot parent both households. Mm. He's responsible for his household and what he teaches my daughter. But all I can do is try and enforce, you know, and, and build strong enough values in mm. her so that she knows that, mm. you know, the, these are the values that I want to teach her. Yeah. So it's, and, and it's little things like, you know, when she does go shopping with me, she knows what the rules are. Yeah. Um, she knows that when she, when she earns money she, and she knows I've got control of a bank account. So, you know, she's got one bank account. So the money that goes in there, you know, she knows when she get, when she earns money or she receives money, a portion mm. of it has to be saved. Yeah. So we, we also got to look at what it is that we can control. Yeah. Um, um, and try not to sweat the other stuff because yeah. there's certain things we just cannot. There's nothing we can do about them, right? And yeah. if you can't control it, just like let it go. Don't even focus on it. But having family conversations as well, um, mm. you know, in the household around things like budgeting because mm. 
a lot of parents are reluctant to talk to their children about money. Mm. Um, and, and again, you know, it might be a difficult conversation, but maybe sit your parents down and say, this is the values that you're trying to teach them. And mm. this is not aligned to that and see yeah. how that goes. <laughs> well, please wish us luck. <laughs> so there's also board games, right? Jean, like Monopoly and whatever other games there are. And some of these games are really good because it can obviously help to teach kids and allow them to understand borrowing money, creating debt and all those things. How do parents ensure that, you know, they help their kids to secure their financial future and to avoid struggles in real life situations? Yeah. And I think as parents, that is our primary responsibility, or not maybe even responsibility, maybe is not the right word, but our primary goal in sure. life is to make sure that we raise independent mm. and successful children. We mm. don't want them to be living with us. <laughs> In our big age. Hey. <laughs> I mean, some would differ, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of the, the 30 is too high, but, uh, <laughs> you know, life has become so expensive, I think, for mm. a lot of, um, youngsters. So living at home is, it's you an know, option. It's it an is option. an option. But yeah. again, also, you know, if your children are living at home at that age, you need to make sure that you are, they're paying rent and they're contributing towards the household expenses. Exactly. exactly. Which I know a lot of kids don't do around mm. that age. So, mm. you know, again, it goes back to, to what are the proper values and principles that we want to teach our children? Because we might be doing them a disservice sure. by not actually teaching them. These no, things. one 100%. I was actually just having a conversation about that with a friend over the weekend. And he is currently house hunting because he wants to finally leave the nest. And I was like, well, it seems like everything's going okay at home. Why do you want to leave now? And he said, no, his parents are making him pay rent. And he doesn't think it's fair that he needs to be paying rent in his parents' house. And I'm like, dude, you, are, you should actually <laughs> Thank your parents yeah. because they're literally showing you what real life is. Yeah. They're not coddling you to the point where you're just living a lie. Yeah. And then by the time you leave the nest, you get all freaked out because now suddenly <laughs> you have way little money, you know? And I thought that was such an interesting concept because many people would judge a situation like that and say, Oh, what kind of parents are you charging your kids? I think it's your right. You're right. It's your responsibility as parents to show your kids what it's really like out there. Absolutely. I mean, my daughter went to buy her friend a, a gift. Mm. Um, for her birthday and I, and usually, well, before I would, I would pay for the gift and I'm, and, and this time I said to her, no, I'm sorry, you need to take your card mm. and you need to pay for it yourself. Because yeah. again, you know, when it's us doing it for them all the time, they don't realize the value of the money. And my daughter's a saver. So for her to spend her own money is quite a challenge. She'd rather spend her parents' money yep. and then she knows, you know, so, and I said, absolutely not. Here's your card. Mm. You can go and buy your, you can go. And then suddenly it's like, Hmm, do I really want to buy this present? Exactly. <laughs> Jean, if there's a mom out there or a dad or just like a parent, whether they're married or single, and they have these amazing kids that they have never, ever had the money chat with, where would you say is the first place to start right now in this moment? If somebody's listening and they're like, yo, like they're speaking to me, I'm busted because I haven't even done anything. Where do they start? Um, you know, what, what would, what would be your advice to them? And, you know, again, getting your own financial house in order is key because you don't want to be going and preaching to your children when you, you know, in a, in everything is in a state at the, you know, currently. Mm. So mm. getting your 
your own financial house in order and identifying why it is, um, wh- wh- what are your goals specifically? Mm. So when it comes to parenting, what is the goal that you want, the, the end goal that you want to teach your children? And again, it depends on the age of the child, yeah. having the conversation around, you know, family budgeting, or if you want to go on a holiday, you know, getting them started on just the basics of, mm. of, of, of identifying what is their mindset around money? What are their yeah. goals around money? So yeah. it's, it's just, it can start off anywhere. It can start off like talking about, you know, what is a budget? Do you know what's a budget mm. or what are, you, what are needs and wants? Mm. Um, how do you feel about money? What do you think about money? So those are just some questions that parents can start having the conversation. And, yeah. you know, that just triggers. And in the book, like, you know, if it's, if, if your children is up between the ages of six and 12, yeah. there's a whole list of questions. Yeah. I call it conversation starters yeah. um, that you can use. So as an example, why do we need to save? Or where does money come from? Mm, I like that second one. Where does money come from? Because sometimes the answers will surprise you. Yeah. They'll absolutely shock you. These kids are clueless. <laughs> But some of them are very, very clever, actually, as well. So, Jean, speaking about the book, if I want to get this book, where can I get it? Um, if I want your help, how can I get your help? Where do I find you on social media? How do I stalk you so that you can <laughs> help me raise these kids? So the book is available on Take A Lot on Amazon as an ebook. Uh, also available through me. I've got a, a website, mrspiggles.co.za. I've also started a Facebook group for nice. parents called Raising Money Smart Kids. Are you serious? <laughs> I need to well, join that Well, it started a few years ago. Please do. It's, and I'll definitely share the podcast on there as well. So it's started off a couple of years ago when I started the book and mm. you know I, I share tips and, and information around money management as and when um, I wanted to start a community so we can have some debate going around but yes. I think some of the parents are a bit reluctant to talk about money. Mm. Everyone's reluctant to talk about money. Exactly. What um, more when it involves our kids? <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, but I'm also on LinkedIn. I've got a financial education and wellness program which is uh, primarily online. Nice. Um, so there's a whole lot of online learning courses. There's courses for Children, teenagers, young adults, even parents. Nice. Parents, working adults. Um, and, and the parent one is actually quite nice because it teaches parents on how to have more meaningful, empowering conversations with their children. Mm. What I've also included is 25 phrases that you should not be saying to your children. Yo. One we, of them being money does not grow on trees. Yo, yo, we need that list. We need that list. Thank you so much, Jean, for taking the time to hang out with us today. Um, you know, I really believe in what you're doing. Thank and you. I really wish more and more people can hear about your work and be moved by your work just so that we can all play our part in raising better kids, ensuring a better tomorrow for our kids, uh, just so that they can be equipped to lead us and Absolutely. to, you know, take take the the country and the world into better places thank you Jean thank you for having me absolutely it was such a pleasure loved uh, every minute of it right it was nice <laughs> just chatting and hanging out with you and please if you do want to get her book it's called Mrs. Spiggles and her money tales these are money messages for kids she's all over social media um, money messages on Facebook money messages on LinkedIn and money messages on Instagram and I have a YouTube channel as well where yes. I often share lots of videos for parents as well good uh, on there as well is that also money messages Yes. All right. Yes. So it's money messages everywhere, all day, every day. <laughs> and to you at home, if you have some money in your bank account, maybe it's time to start thinking about if you are managing this money. Are you a spender? Are you a saver? 
Or do you have a nice balance between both? And more so, what kind of spender or what kind of habits um, will your children have? Or does your child have when it comes to money? Because everything that you are doing, they are watching. I promise you. That was Life with Lebang for this week. It's been awesome. My name is Lebang Khosana and I will see you this time next week. Same time, same place. Cliffcentral.com